0: This is going to be the quickest opener ever. Hello my friends. Hello Earbud Coven. This is part two of our very special Vancouver Pagan Pride live event where I was recording live. Again, I just want to say that I could not get to every tent. I could not get to every booth. I only have a few vendors on here. I apologize. It just was whoever was available to talk to me when I was in that space. So without any more hesitation, here are more sound bites from Vancouver's Pagan Pride. And please go ahead and listen to part one. This is a very special double episode for you all. Everyone who I spoke to will be listed in the show notes for this so that you can find them on the internet, get all their information, buy stuff from them. There's a lot of information on here for people who are seeking about different paths, so you can access that too. Okay.
1: Here we go.
2: All right, I'm Raven Mm Rissi, and uh, I'm part of the band Hemnature. Excellent. Tell me all about that. Okay, so the spiel. Um, so basically we're a dark electronic folk band based out of Vancouver, BC. We try to combine ancient stories modern instruments to keep all the spirits alive and well. Oh my god That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it, I love it. Honestly, it's been a long time coming for uh, me and my bandmates And so we're really just really grateful to be able to start this kick this off and actually be able to get something going now Now that everything's opening up slowly. So. Yes.
0: Have you had a couple gigs yet?
2: Like have. real life people. We would? did. It was crazy. So we actually just played three of the biggest festivals here for electronic golf music on the oh, West Coast. Oh nice. What are um, the festivals so people can find you next year? Yeah, hopefully, I hope. Um so the first festival we played was a local one here in Vancouver called Verboden Festival. Um, the next one was Mechanismus Festival, based out of Seattle, and then the last one is Terminus Festival, based out of my original hometown, Calgary, Alberta. Oh
0: my god, that's where I'm from. Yeah, I'm from Calgary
2: uh, <laughs> But yes, yes, so I Excellent.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're here at Pagan Pride.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great to be back after, what, three years or so? It yeah. doesn't happen. So it's it's really nice. And there's so many people, new people here, which yeah. is really great. So that's really awesome.
0: So I'm trying to collect a bit of sound bites too for new
2: and, and new little witchlings and things. So mm. tell me about your path. Okay, so my path. Well, um, it's definitely changed over the many years, but right now I am... A, someone's giggling at me in the corner. Um, but for me, I basically classify myself as a Norse pagan, Norse heathen, um, northern shamanic stuff. I usually work... I don't really like to use terms, per se, because, okay. but they're, they can be helpful at times, but I usually work with more of the Roca, so the more primal deities, the Thurs, the Giants, that type of orientation is my jam. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that, I don't know, for a long time now. Um, <laughs> seems like forever. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of like what I do with my path and you can hear snippets of it in the band. Um, I don't, the band is purposely not like Norse or anything yes. like that. We try to keep it general Pagan theme so that people when they listen can interpret how they want to interpret it and can get out whatever they want to get out of it but there are definitely a few things here and there that I sneak into some of the lyrics and things like that beautiful
0: well thank you so much for talking uh, with me likewise, and thank so you. we can find your band online right oh we're
2: all over the internet so. alright
0: what's better Bandcamp or Spotify what's going to
2: get you more more loonies in your pocket well loonies will be Bandcamp um, but if you go to Hem which is H-E-M m-n-e-t-j-e-r dot band that's our main website and at the very top it has all of our links to Spotify, YouTube, Bandcamp, Apple, Facebook, Instagram all the places you all have to have yes so we're all in there but as far as like supporting the band directly Bandcamp is the best way Um, we have all of our merch on there that I do do all of our design work and everything and all that stuff so it's all on our our Bandcamp Mm -hmm. and I will link that in the show notes to this episode
0: wonderful hi there how's your day going going really well so far. Yeah? It's good to see everybody and uh, get together. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your personal path? Sure. What style of pagan are you?
3: Well I consider myself eclectic pagan and by that
0: I mean I don't limit myself to a particular pantheon. Mm-hmm. I just sort of let who wishes to work with me come and work with me. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. It is. It's very chill. Um, I came up through what my temple calls the wing it tradition. (laughs) I think I know that tradition. We take it very seriously. Yes, we do. (laughs) It does take a lot of pressure off to have all of your correspondence Um, correct and every word in the right place. Mm -hmm. It does. Well, thank you. What have you liked so far about pagan pride this year? This is my first Vancouver Pagan Pride. <gasps> Who is it? Where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my goodness, welcome. So you. glad you're I, I here you with, you with us. Morning. I guess we'll introduce you at the very end. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Um, my name is Leif Ballard. Okay.
4: My name's Dave, Dave Stevens.
0: Hi Dave, and you did our opening ritual today, didn't you? I did, you? yes. And how long have you been doing the opening ritual for Pagan Pride?
4: Uh, this would be my third year.
0: Nice and what brought you to that in your path?
4: You know, initially it was about getting connected to a new community. Like, I knew very few people. I loved Ritual very early on. That was like my favorite thing about paganism, really, was that yeah. that kind of community getting together and the magical aspects of it too. So I kind of jumped it when they when they said that they needed somebody to come and do the rituals. I jumped at the at the prospect of it and I've been doing it ever since.
0: It's beautiful. It's a beautiful ritual that you do. Now, what is your path? Like what style of pagan are you?
4: I would say that I'm an Ishtaritu, which is a Babylonian path based on Ishtar's rites, a path based on love and spreading love to the world, and also the path of kind of warriorship. And, you know, there's a lot of aspects of warrior in it, you know, standing up for others, standing up for yourself, giving yourself a good hard look and going, is this really serving you? Being a warrior, you know, to your own mind. And it's kind of like the old ways. You know, it has, a, it has a, we actually have very little of the tradition left, but um, that was. In, that's really what I do in my private practice, but I've been trained in Wicca from like the early 90s when it that was, was... Yeah, yeah me it, too. Yeah. I think
0: we a lot of us started with Wicca because that's what was in the bookstore.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, as you kind of grow and see what other things are out there, you, uh, that's what I gravitated towards. I was lucky that I, I met... Um, a Middle Eastern guy my same age and he kind of taught me the Middle Eastern side of things. It taught me Ruhaniya and parts of Sheer, and so I kind of include, you know, Arabic magic uh, oh, is as, as probably the, my primary uh, magical practice that I do. So it's, it's all kind of like I can't get out of the Middle East.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, when, right before you sat down in my, my hot seat where I interview people, someone mentioned that you are a bit of a book nerd. Yes. So for for any of the brand new baby witches or some of the elder witches in my earbud coven, what would be some of your go to books?
4: You know, it's funny. I have seen a hundred authors come and go in in Wicca and witchcraft, and I still come back to the originals. I go, I still go back to Cunningham mm-hmm. because for the vast percentage of it, it's all rehash of his work. Yeah, very true. You know, so it's like go back to the source. And then when you, and then see where it kind of comes from and then decide what interests you. You know, do you like astrology? Do you like, you know? And if you like astrology, what type do you like? And and that's kind of how I go, is I I find the tangents in the moment that I'm looking at. Like uh, right now I'm working on astrological timing. So I'm, I'm looking at when the planets are right for a particular ritual, to make sure that it has more power doing it at the proper time of day, and it, all of those little things build to create a stronger outcome. Yes. So if I'm going to do something for somebody, let's say like it's healing, I'm going to find out, you know, what am I healing? So what particular planet I'm going to be looking at? Maybe it's um, a mental issue. So I'll, I'll find the time of the moon and when the moon is best as- aspected for healing, and then I'll perform that right. At, you know, even if it's at two o'clock in the morning, because that's going to be the time that's going to be best.
0: There's magic in that kind of dedication, though. When you're, when you look it up and then you say, okay, I'm going to set my clock, like that kind of a, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word, but when you really, I think there's a there's a piece of sympathetic magic that is about really aligning yourself and oh, making absolutely. the commitment to your work to go that extra mile. But
4: if if I'm going to do it for somebody, I won't go to sleep. So mm-hmm. I will sec- seclude myself in my practice area and I will do the prayers and the chants and other rituals so that it builds to that point, and then I will do the, the particular healing rite or. or contact the angels or whatever it's going to be or even sometimes it's summoning a spirit yes Um, so I want to put my entire focus on that person
5: Mm -hmm.
4: but you know back to the books the books have led me to kind of like what are the areas that I'm most interested in and sometimes it is pretty nerdy like you know I want to I want the little minutia that you can only get by you know reading the more advanced stuff Mm -hmm. and that isn't a bestseller because it's not going to uh, apply to everybody I guess. Yeah
0: what's your favorite go-to book right now when you're planning something?
4: Right now I'm reading it's a translation of uh, of an Arabic text called The Son of Gnosis and it is a it is considered the most evil book in all of the Arabic traditions but it's not. It's just been very maligned. It's actually about Coming closer to God and angelic invocations, and, and but Islam has painted a very dark picture of Al-Buni's work. And this is a, a direct translation of his opus. Like this is his the, the book that he's most known for. Fantastic book, and it's unfortunately only like half of the translation. There's there's um, if you were to find the manuscript in the wild in Arabic, there's the short version which is just his work, and then there's the long version. Which is all the other magicians and sorcerers who followed after him, who wanted to kind of you know ride on his coattails. So they put their work involved in it, and now the book is like that. You know, it's two inches of. You're like,
0: just going to need to learn Arabic.
4: I am studying. <laughs> it's very hard. It's you know, but um, Google Translate does a decent oh, job. Oh, good. You know, that's good. The trouble is, is that they're kind of the foundation for a lot of what people practice, and they and they don't realize it. Like what we think of as like ceremonial magic, a lot of it came from the Middle East. You know, we all think that it, it kind of came from Europe, but it's actually they're they're doing translations of these books. You know, so like these old grimoires that you know they were that people talk about are actually translations of Arabic texts.
0: So like the stuff that like the Golden John golden... Israel Regardi's work is built off of in the Kabbalistic stuff.
4: Well, the, there's there's the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. But when we look at, well, the, the trouble with the Golden Dawn is it's a lot of traditions mixed into one. It is. So if we were to look at the strict ceremonial magic or the alchemy,
5: mm-hmm.
4: a lot of that was influenced by the Arabic people. And mm-hmm. and the, you know, the thing that a lot of people forget is the, the Arabs were the, when the Library of Alexandria was burning, mm-hmm. the Arabs ran in to save the books. So they were the ones who kept the secrets of the ancients.
3: My name is Ascani, and I am the Red Tent Temple of the Fraser Valley. And my co-hostess is Iska Johnson. Actually, she was here earlier today. My friend Iska was out, and I haven't seen her in a very long time. Uh, She introduced me to the Red Tent movement. So she invites me out to this event, and it's at a bookstore out in Chilliwack, and it's called the Red Tent Temple. That's no, okay. Is, is, is this a yoga evening? Is, is this a pagan event? Is it, Are we steaming our veg? Is this like a Gwyneth Paltrow thing? What is this? What is a red tent? Like Who is this person? I don't recognize this person. Like, what is this? So I come out to the bookstore and there's a little alcove and she's got all of these red saris and scarves draped over the bookshelf. So it looks like this little bedouin tent. Beautiful. You know? So you come in and she's got some cozy little cushions on the floor and she's got a little altar with like a couple candles and some crystals it's very new agey. And it's okay, well, you know, what, what what is this about? What is the Red Tent? So it's this movement that's picked up steam or it's become a movement in the last several years where it's creating a sacred space that's centered around the experiences of women. So, it is an inclusive space, not just for our sisters, but yeah. our, all of our sisters. Yes. All persons who yeah. identify with the divine feminine. Um, anyone who is, feels comfortable in a space that is centered around the experiences of women is welcome into the space. And that's how I, I keep my red tent as well when I host it. So, I came into this, and this movement is just kind of. Giving a space for women to come together in community, in sisterhood, to share our stories, to share our wisdom and our lived experiences, to be a community of support for each other, to witness and support each other through our rites of passage, through womanhood. So there's there's a lot of emphasis on Menarche. For example, I have a tween, mm-hmm. and during COVID, my tween, you know, had their first blood. So coming when we when we got out of COVID, I said, you know what? I'm going to play on the red tent for you, if you're okay with a red tent. I would like to play on a red tent for you. So I did that for my daughter. So I had the people in the community that were part of their family came together and held that space, and we had a, a lovely, a lovely ritual about that. So there is some focus on those experiences. There's uh, rites of passage like your first red moon. The red tent is traditionally a space where in tribal communities in the past, there was normally a space set aside for women. Space set aside for those women when they were on their moon, when they were in childbirth, when they were postpartum and they were nursing new mothers learning how to nurse getting the assistance of the other older mothers in the community so you know what we have now is we've gone away from that village and we've gone to a nuclear family in the last 50 60 70 years which i think is is unfortunate because it does take a village to raise children and women are stronger as a community, when we can support each other, we can do a lot. We can multitask like like the best, but we need each other. We need support. You know, who cares for the caretaker? Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. Right. You know, and, and so women are expected to do a lot of labor, a lot of mental labor, a lot of household labor, a lot of emotional labor. You know, we really should be in a society or in a community that when you have children, especially when you have your first it is a life-altering experience to go from being a single, childless person to suddenly, whether you're single, or you're partnered, or you have a polycule to assist you, you know, to go from being a single, childless person to being a parent. You know, it is a new experience, but also you need so much support in ways that you don't realize. <laughs> oh, no, and the great thing she about get the red tent is, is, is it's, it's, it's a reminder of. The village that we used to have, you know, so that we could lead on each other for support. Yeah. So someone could help you. Hey, this is. Let me help you. Let me show you some tricks. When I was a mom, and when I was first learning, you know. So so people in the village would go. To, would go to the tent. They would birth in the tent. They were midwives. who have been there, done that. You know, that's where you find your midwives and your doulas, and they would help you bring the child into the world. They would teach you how to nurse, how to latch. I mean now. I had, what is it, 2022? I had my daughter in 2010, and I had such a hard time breastfeeding. Yeah. it's and not I, easy. A, I could not find a breast, like a, a breastfeeding consultant, anywhere. And by the time I got help in how to nurse, it had already been eight weeks. My milk production was already set, which was like practically nil, and my child had already been jaundiced for like three weeks, and I had to put her on formula so there's not supports for that in today's society
0: and they don't tell you when you're in the hospital with a newborn that if you were having milk problems or latch problems mm-hmm. traditionally mm-hmm. your sister would grab your baby That's and nurse right. it and a mother who knows how to nurse would teach your baby how to nurse yes. and there were toddlers around to bring in your milk when your baby was having latch problems it didn't mm-hmm. dry your milk up and so there's all this guilt i found anyway in mm-hmm. my experience around oh you should nurse it's so easy every woman in every
3: non you know it's the easiest thing in the world it's, it's cheaper But not when you're formula. all
0: alone in not your house without support not when you're
3: stressed not, not when, when you're not sleeping fell, properly not or eating properly okay. even just yeah. hydrating you know oh my gosh so that was the hardest thing for me and all those feelings that came with i'm a new mother mm-hmm. i have these certain ideas that society has ingrained upon me yes of what being a mother is like you know what you come to the tent and you share those stories and you have a good cry and your sisters are like honey i hear you i see you your experience is valid we've been through that too let's help you through it and there's healing in the red tent because you are witnessed you are seen your struggles are seen everything you've been through it's validated your feelings are validated
0: what I'm hearing you say is it's almost like you don't need to do ritual because the women are holding such space for you
3: mm-hmm.
0: the ritual is happening.
3: You can do ritual. There are some sacred rituals you can do. Like you could do a rite of passage where, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean to transition from the child to the maiden? Yes. And then the ceremonies from child to maiden, maiden to mother, mother to crone, and then through to death. So, those are our rites of passage as, as women. What does that transition feel like? You know, because you can't go from child to woman. No. I hear people talking about, oh, you've got your blood, you're a woman now. And I'm like, some part of that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because the, the, the children, the girls that are getting their blood now, in my generation, you got your blood when you were some. D- between 13 and 16 yes this generation is getting their blood as young as eight or nine yeah, and my you're not a woman at eight or nine no. you know but you are that young adolescent so what is that stage of life what's the adolescent stage you're not a child but you're not a woman yeah so that is the adolescent stage where you're getting it's all a trial and error you're getting to know yourself you're finding your footwork you're finding your footing in in this new, in this next stage of life, you know, it's a very liminal space. Being a teenager, being a tween, you're, you're in that liminal space. Yes. Talk for hours on, on the tent. That was just. Is there another. anywhere that the little earbud coven
0: could go to find information about your tent? Are you <sighs> on Instagram? Do you, oh you have gosh. a web
3: page or anything right now? I'm primarily on Facebook. Again, my name is Ascani, mm-hmm. and I am the. Red Tent Temple of the Fraser Valley. And my co-hostess is Iska Johnson. You can find us on on Facebook. She actually is a published author if you are familiar with the Girl God books. She's published I believe two of them. I am the Morgan. Yes. And I think she's done another one on Bridget.
0: I have not heard of these before, and I'm super excited now that you've said that. So you got to go look up the Girl <laughs> yeah.
3: God books. Yes, I. Do. So we're on we're on Facebook as the Red Tent Temple of Fraser Valley. Since COVID, we've been on hiatus, obviously. Yeah. But what you can do is you can go onto you can just Google it anywhere. Just Google Red Tent, and look in your area. Uh, I believe there's some in the BC interior. I think there's some on the island, there's some in the United States. It's a relatively new movement, so you might have a hard time finding them. But if you go on Facebook and look in some groups, I think there's the Divine Feminine or Sacred Circles, something, something, just just, just Google all those new age feminist terms and you'll probably come up with um, different ways of finding yourself into a red tent movement. And if you're someone who wants to host a red tent, absolutely absolutely find yourself a space and and open it and all you really have to do is just hold that space stock up on kleenex maybe maybe a drum if you want to do any kind of drum journey crystal crystal sound bowl healing. you know any kind of that new age stuff that's really great sound healing is wonderful you can do this anywhere you can do this i've done this in the middle of the park i've done this in a, in a yoga studio i've done this in my home I've done this in a 12 by 12 sunshade out in the forest, you know, at a camping event. You know, you're, you're not limited.
5: You just have Thank to you.
3: hold the space. And a talking stick is fun, but um, just be prepared. You're going to have a snotty, a snotty cry. <laughs> be prepared for the snotty cry. For the healing powers of water. The healing the powers, powers of, of water. water. Snotty water. <laughs> and um, the primal scream.
0: I've rediscovered oh. the
3: primal scream. Sometimes when you go off into that
0: forest, you got yes, a primal scream. Yes, you do. I'm a big fan of scream walking, is what I call Me, it. As when women, you go for a run yeah. or and it turns or a hike and it turns into uh, screaming in the forest.
3: Yes, it's an amazingly we cleansing thing. We hold so much stress, so much anxiety, so much pressure. Yes, we have to relieve it, or we're literally going to lose our SHIT on the people that we love, yes. and yes. we don't mean it. So. Yeah. You gotta—it's like a pressure cooker. You gotta release that sometimes. So you know what? Do the primal scream. Like mm-hmm. Do it. Well, Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom.
5: Thank you very much. My name is Dawn. I came with my my girlfriend Celeste. We are part of Kith and Kindred. We are a Norse event group. So we run workshops and camping events. We came here to help out. We did a ritual. I did a beginner shamanic journey. That
0: was so a workshop? Oh yeah. oh, nice. I didn't get to any of the workshops this year. That's okay, another year. So you guys hosted the heathen ritual that was at around
5: two o'clock? Yes. And I want to tell my listeners a little bit about that ritual.: It was a harvest ritual. It's Lamas, which is an English ritual, but we kind of appropriated it. And it's all about the harvest. <laughs> and it's about bread. So the beginning of the harvest, the first grains come out. So the Norse would make beer and they would make bread. Usually with the the first harvest, you would have bread and you would have beer. In this case, we had mead, which is uh, fermented honey and it's quite sweet. That was a very delicious mead. I've had a couple meads in my time. That was a very, very good one. Thank you, I've been making it for- Oh, you make it?
0: Yeah. Mm. About oh, ten years. My friends. <laughs> <laughs> we must talk. <laughs> we must continue to talk. And then now you are practicing Norse or he is it would you define it as heathenism as well? Yes. So what brought
5: you to that path? I've been uh into paganism for about twenty years mm-hmm. and I was always like I enjoyed yeah, it I but there was something that, that was missing. And going, with yeah. the Norse the gods just um appealed to me. They they had a voice and I instantly had a connection.
0: Now I also I practice closely with Freya. Mm-hmm. I do um, heathenistic style ritual a little bit. I'm more eclectic I guess. I guess I'm eclectic. You're eclectic. I'm eclectic. <laughs> so <laughs> there's Celeste over there going follow <laughs> me, <too>. me too. <laughs> um so, who is your fa- Who's your who's your best sister friend in the Norse?
5: Oh, I have a few. Freya is definitely one of them. I do uh, Sade. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a initiate, so I'm I'm learning Sade, but I do a lot of journey work. So Freya is all about the magic. But I also have a connection to Scotty, which is a winter goddess, and uh, she has the polar bear. Or bears and wolves as her totem and then there's also hell yes yeah. she's good I do a lot of journeys and I speak to hell a lot she sends a fish She eats the fish eats me and takes me down to the underworld oh, very cool. and spits me out on, on her domain <laughs> that's
0: beautiful <laughs> and now Celeste you want to tell me about your path uh,
5: that's
1: a little more winding
0: that's okay uh, Yeah, I like a crooked path i, I think... <laughs>
1: I think I'm more. I would say up until more recently, I would say I was more solitary, Um, mostly because I didn't find the right people, I guess, to hang with, and uh, so I have a bit more of an uh, eclectic path. Um, I'm. I more consider myself. I believe that there's truths in all paths, and it's just sort of how you get there. But more recently, I've been doing stuff at dawn, and the. Shamanism stuff, and the, uh, we started getting kindred together to kind of do more ritual and with a, with a lot of fun with friends and you know that kind of thing. And so we've been kind of doing things for what two year years half, now. Two years, yeah, two years now. So, and uh, it's it's been an interesting path, and we've been really enjoying. You know, doing stuff together and having friends come along with Uh,
5: us—that kind of
0: thing. And group work is different. I practice mainly solitary, and same thing. It's hard to find a great coven to hang with who has good times and you can make everything mush. Yeah. So, do you want to talk to me just a little bit about the difference between working with groups and versus working solo? Because it is different. Do you want to speak a bit to that? Because I think a bunch of my earbud coven are solo practitioners, but there's some beautiful stuff that can come out of working with others
1: yeah it's more I find that when you're working with with a group that meshes well that has the same kind of energies that, that you work with that it it's you're not generating it all yourself like there's a lot of feedback and working together that kind of makes it a a different space and I've kind of I've been enjoying doing that kind of thing so we've been
5: it's it's like it's like you've got your individual energy and then you takes steroids and it's like a (laughs) hundredfold.
0: I have felt that too it's like when you put two practitioners together you're not adding the power you're exponentially multiplying it like to the power of two or to the power of three or to the power of four that's how it feels to me yeah Yeah. exactly
5: exactly and and yeah it just it grows and it blends and it just becomes this beautiful dance yeah I like that well, maybe we'll
0: wrap up this sound bite on the beautiful dance. Thank you so much, baby! <laughs> yeah. well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having I
5: asked
4: if there was one and...
5: Uh, and, no, and, and yeah. They said, no. And they realized they volunteered
4: me. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh my god, what area did you drop in? Oh, I actually dropped an in Airdrie just
5: outside yeah,
2: of Calgary, yeah, yeah. but uh, we lived downtown for quite a while. Yeah. So I lived here about six or seven years ago now. Okay, I've been here for almost, yeah. oh god, okay. Yeah, we'll another Calgarian! Life. It's crazy! There's right? barely any of us! I know. And we never live in Calgary anymore.
0: No, no, no.
1: Oh, hi. Talk to